It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines, a panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. It's a Monday. Who wants to talk football? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, John Riley. We welcome you to our studios in San Diego. Bonus coverage on our weekly podcast covering NFL football. John, we waited and waited for great games, and we had great games, and we had great storylines, and a great deal of disappointment, too. Yeah, it was it was an emotional day uh, for all four teams. And yeah, lots of storylines. So I'm looking forward to digging in. Okay, let's start with topic number one. And we'll zero in, obviously, on the NFC playoffs. We thought it would be a war. I kept using terminology about trench warfare, things of that. It turned out to be a war of attrition. The 49ers knocked out by the Philadelphia Eagles in more ways than one. Uh, The terrific loss of Brock Purdy very early in the first quarter on the heavy hit. The latest report, he has a torn elbow ligament, needs immediate surgery, going for a second opinion. His doctor does not want to do the surgery right now. The 49ers doctors want the surgery done immediately. Six-month rehab, which would push him probably back to August. Horrible loss for the 49ers with a player going down. Then the reality, they have no offense. They bring the backup journeyman quarterback in, Josh Johnson. He suffers a concussion, a very scary sight on the field when he got hit. Same hit, trying to make a pass, same blow right in the area that Purdy got that suffered a ligament damage. Same result, Johnson goes down, but this time he hits his back of his head on the turf really hard. We didn't know that he had a concussion initially, but I saw a film clip that really scared me. Because as he was down on his back, John, his left hand was doing this. Really? And the networks either didn't pick it up or didn't want to comment on it. Mm. Uh, So he was really dinged. So now you have no quarterbacks whatsoever. You're strictly a run offense. They they thought maybe Christian McCaffrey would be the quarterback and Debo Samuel would be the running back. But that then telegraphs to everybody, we have to run the football. It was really poor. They only completed two passes in the second half when Purdy came back in. Two dump and runs. He had no ability to hold the football, no strength of arm to get it down the field. Uh, San Francisco had 48 yards in offense in the second half. At the end of the day, Philadelphia's offensive line mashed him. Philadelphia's defensive line mashed him. The Eagles are a complete football team, and they're going to the Super Bowl. Has to just be a really sad day in San Francisco because you know how hard it is to put a 12-game winning streak together and all the things that they accomplished. I will throw this out there, though. When they were down to one quarterback on the roster, and that was Brock Purdy, why did they not go get somebody more accomplished than Josh Johnson, mm-hmm. who's been in and out of football for a decade? He's been with 14 teams. His record as a starter in the NFL is 1-8. and eight. He's merely a body on the roster. Could they have not gone out and gotten a veteran who was on the street, a Blaine Gabbert or somebody like that, that would mm-hmm. at least make you competitive? Uh, they did not. They really suffered the consequences. But maybe the bottom line is... They didn't belong on the field with Philadelphia because Philadelphia just seems to be in a different solar system right now. Um, 
San Francisco unraveled, 11 penalties, a bunch of ugly incidents, the back half of that game. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing just totally got away from Kyle Shanahan. It, you know, it throws cold water on a great season. They still have a great roster. It's a really young roster. The future is still very much ahead of them. But, geez, what a lousy way to end the season considering what they've done since mid-October. Yeah, it was interesting watching the game because the defenses were both dominant on both sides. But at some point, the Niners' offense just couldn't you know, stay on the field for any period of time. But I kind of felt like the Eagles reminded me a lot of the 85 Bears, just the way that do- defense was so dominating and the way they're taking out players um, was incredible. But you got to give it up. The Niners made it this far with a with their third string quarterback. I mean, what a great feat! Um, but it was a disappointing day for San Francisco fans. So Philadelphia marches on. Let's go to the AFC Championship game. Did you get your money's worth? <laughs> Holy cow! We played a seventeen game schedule, the playoffs, so we could go right down to the final eight seconds of the game before the thing was decided. How about Kansas City? How about Patrick Mahomes? How about the Chiefs overcoming their own ob- uh, objects, uh, adversity? Uh, they got it done. Uh, there's no doubt that Mahomes re-injured that high ankle by running around and trying to throw off balance, but he limped through it and he came back on, and then he made the brazen run right at the end of the game to try to get him in the field goal range. Bad ankle and all, and then he got blown out of bounds by Joseph Asai, the Cincinnati linebacker, on the personal foul hit, and they win it on the field goal, the long-distance field goal, into the cold winter night of Kansas City. Uh, They did this without three wide receivers. They ran out of wide receivers like the 49ers ran out of quarterbacks. Uh, And Cincinnati came out of character, and we talked about this in our Friday Notebook segment, that I asked the question, will Cincinnati do what they've never done before? They blitzed him 25 times yesterday, but he was able to sidestep the blitz. They were able to create a pocket to protect him when he had to break containment. It looked ugly, and it looked out of sync, and he didn't have a lot of accuracy, but he did it nonetheless. That's a great quarterback whose record now is 74-19 and 19 and 10-3 and 3 in postseason play. And from Cincinnati's perspective, Joe Burrow played really hard. They really pressured him a lot. He threw for 270. He threw two interceptions. He did not have much of a running game. He lost wide receivers along the way, too, so they weren't playing at full strength. But I think the bottom line was that Kansas City did what they did. They blitzed. They sent a lot of guys after Burrow against what suddenly became an beleaguered offensive line made up of more backups than than starters. So it, it, it's a tough end for Cincinnati. Kansas City just overcame obstacles to get to the Super Bowl. And Mahomes playing on one ankle healthy, one ankle injury, still threw for 326. And they spread the ball around to a lot of people. And some of their backup guys and some of the young guys really stepped up, especially defensively, and played pretty well. Um, the Osai hit, there's a lot of criticism. I think it was a football play. It's a young guy going 100 miles an hour trying to prevent Mahomes from getting out of bounds. But he ran into him in the white area over the boundary marker, and they threw the penalty flag. 
Uh, a lot of his teammates rallied around him after the game in the post-game press conferences. One or two teammates were very critical. Uh, it, it's a football play by a young football player. He'll remember this the rest of his life. It's too bad it kind of cost him this game, but what a matchup between the two young guns. Yeah, it was terrific. Both these teams on the field. I think I saw a tweet from Rich Orenberger, and he had said that Mahomes has been in the league five years, and he's been in the AFC title game all five years. I mean, so you got to give a tip of the hat to what Mahomes has done. But the criticism of the referees in that game, Hacksaw, I mean, what, what did you, what's your take on that? I don't understand why the game got out of control of, from Ron Tolbert, the, the lead referee. Mm-hmm. There were clock management problems. Uh, there was the replay of what or should have been a replay of that big pass down the sidelines. Uh, that Devontae Smith caught one-handed and then obviously bobbled. Mm-hmm. I don't know why the replay booth would not stop the play for an evaluation. Uh, but obviously, Philadelphia thought, well, this is questionable. We're running the line of scrimmage on the next snap. So I'd, I thought I thought the management of the game clock and some of the explanations about blown plays and taking a play off the books. I've never seen that in modern day NFL football. I, I thought the officiating in that game left something to really be desired. But they all went in Kansas City's favor. I mean, and so, I mean, there were just even incidental things like when Burrow got knocked down, he doesn't get called for, you know, they don't call him for roughing the passer. But when it happens the other way, it, it applies. So it's just, if you're a Bengals fan, you have to be so disappointed because that game was within your reach and it just fell apart at the end. But but Kansas City did win it and they won it without a bunch of their wide receivers. Yeah. And they they won it with a quarterback operating at probably 60% capacity. They've got two weeks now of intense therapy and they'll get Patrick Mahomes completely healthy for the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl, boy, do we need any more storylines aside from two great teams, Kansas City, Philadelphia? Do we need any more storylines? Andy Reid, his team now versus his old team. Need more storylines? The Kelsey brothers who'd argue at the dinner table as kids. Kids growing up in Cleveland now going to face each other. Uh, great, great Super Bowl coming a couple weeks from now, capping off what I think has been an electric, electric NFL season. Yeah, it's going to be a great Super Bowl, and we got to wait two weeks though because they spread it out, they build the hype for two weeks. That's going to be difficult, but uh, it's going to be a great Super Bowl. Both teams number one in each conference, so you got the top dogs going at each other. Yep. Going to be fun. Now, we've got other football stories we're going to talk about very briefly today. And then, of course, at the end of the week, uh, when we do our regular Thursday podcast, we'll have a lot more topics on the table. Where do you want to go from here? Well, I mean, there's been a lot of news about the Chargers. I know there's breaking news today about the offensive coordinator position. Well, let's, let's start with the story that broke on Sunday night. Justin Herbert has surgery, torn labrum, left shoulder. Led to believe that he injured the shoulder in the Rams game right at the end of the season. Season and obviously played in Denver. So you got you got the torn labrum and the fact that he played half the season with a fractured rib cartilage, and the kid still threw for 4,200-plus yards and 25, 26 touchdowns. What a resilient, tough guy player he is. But he's had the surgery. It's going to take about three months. They do believe by the time they get, if there's no setbacks and no complications, he'll be ready for the OTA workouts in the month of May. So that's that's good news there. The other news happened really, really quickly overnight. Kellen Moore hired his offensive coordinator. 
history. This kid was a great college quarterback at, at Boise State. Went to the Detroit Lions as an undrafted free agent. Banged around a couple of years on the developmental squad. Went to Dallas as a backup quarterback. Played sparingly. Retired early. Got into coaching. Smart guy. Real smart guy. I don't understand this, but he gets fired in Dallas, and the Chargers immediately do a Zoom call, and I think he was probably at the top of the list. I'm led to believe they may have already asked for permission uh, to interview him even before the playoffs started. Uh, Kellen Moore comes to Los Angeles to run the Justin Herbert run offense. In Dallas, they were number one in offense in 2019, Kellen Moore, Dak Prescott, uh, they faltered a year ago, and then this year they were number four in offense in the NFL. He's got a lot of heritage and legacy as an X and O's bright guy. However, everybody in Los Angeles, all these Charger fans, what the 12 of them, uh, they're going crazy. <laughs> that This guy's going to be a, a difference maker than Joe Lombardi. The difference, though, from Kellen Moore, what he called in Dallas versus what he is inheriting with the Bolts is really different. And the difference is he does not have a power running game. And what made Dallas's pass game so good? Mm. Ezekiel Elliott. Mm -hmm. And then for a bit, Tony Pollard. He's got Austin Eckler, but that's not a power run game. That's going to be a big challenge. What made Dallas's offense great when Kellen Moore was calling the plays? Tyron Smith to every one of those other Pro Bowl guys along the offensive line. Outside of the injured Rashawn Slater, do you see any of that? We're in the lightning bolt on their helmet. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so so at, at, at this point, step forward. Uh, they'll, they'll approach it a little bit differently. But he doesn't have quite the same weapons going to the Chargers that he had with the Dallas Cowboys. But he's bright, smart. Highly, highly respected, despite what just happened to him in the last 48 hours in Dallas. Well, the, the, you, we talked about how the Chargers wanted to bring in bright lights. And so he's one of those guys. And yeah, I remember him from Boise State. But I mean, look at this guy on the, on the screen. I mean, these coaches are so young. I mean, this, does this kid even shave yet? Changing uh, of the guard. Yeah, totally a changing of the guard. Um, and, you know, Brandon Staley is a young man. So, you know, good on these guys. Hopefully they can pull it together. But, you know, going back to... Um, uh, to, to Herbert. Uh, remember we were talking about his mechanics weren't quite right, so he had that torn labrum. That's the same injury that Fernando Tatis Jr. had, I think, right? But it's opposite shoulder. Okay. Justin Herbert's left shoulder, not his throwing shoulder. Oh, okay. Okay, so well, still serious, but um, interesting, you know, because we were commenting also about the rib cartilage and was that affecting his mechanics? Well, good on him just to kind of get squared away. And so he'll start clean, start fresh in the new season. Okay. Uh, before we get to the next topic on the table, uh, just explain to everybody about what we do Mondays, what we do on Thursdays, how they can get involved, how the fan forum work, and how they should get the alerts for when we post things every day on our podcast. Okay, so you can get involved in the fans forum. Just type in your question or comment for Hacksaw on the live stream on either Facebook or YouTube. We'll see it on the screen here. We'll get you involved in the fans forum segment at the conclusion of Hacksaw's headlines. At the same time, be sure to subscribe on the YouTube channel, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Click on the bell. You'll get the updates and alerts when we drop a new live stream or any of the video clips that we spread out 
out throughout the week. Um, and then be sure to also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And I remind everybody, if you like sports, have you sampled my website? It's all written. It's LeeHacksawHamilton.com. We have the best 15 minutes in sports, every story there is, the one man's opinion column, our pro football page, Hacksaw's mini poll. So go to my website. If you take a look at it every day, I think you'll really be pleased. It's free. LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Next topic on the table. All right. Well, Kellen Moore was hired by the Chargers, but he came from the Cowboys. So how's that breaking down with Mike McCarthy's staff? They fired six coaches in Dallas a week ago today. Six. Of a team that won 12 games and a team that had a lot of injuries. Then, on Sunday, they hit the eject button on Kellen Moore and the quarterback coach, Doug Musmeyer. Don't understand why. So that's eight coaches off Mike McCarthy's staff. So I guess the question that I pose, did Jerry Jones go to Mike McCarthy after they got knocked out of the playoffs and say, you will make changes? So none of the assistant coaches who played an integral role in the success that they've had in the last couple of years in Dallas keep their job, and yet the head coach stays? I mean, that's like throwing guys overboard to lighten the boat so the boat that you has a hole in it doesn't sink. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand it. McCarthy's going to call all the plays now, replacing Kellen Moore. But McCarthy did that in Green Bay, and it turned into a fiasco. So I, I just think this is a knee-jerk reaction. I can't believe they've blown up that staff. They've had a good run. And, and much like I, I, would, I would say the same thing about what happened to Kellen Moore getting fired as offensive coordinator, is it his fault they lost the Pro Bowl left tackle Tyron Smith, then they lost their center, then they lost their guard? How is that Kellen Moore's fault? How is it Moore's fault that Michael Gallup never fully recovered from knee injuries? And yeah, they had C.D. Lamb, but they didn't really have anybody else to catch the football. And how is it Kellen Moore's fault that Ezekiel Elliott woke up this year and looked like an old man? He's not the power back. He's now become a situational short yardage back. And how is it Kellen Moore's fault that Tony Pollard blew his knee out at the most important time of the year and the biggest game of the year, and they wound up losing? So I guess the point I'm trying to make is, you know, we're a team. And if things go bad, (laughs) as a team, we got to get it back the way it used to be. But you don't walk over and start throwing guys overboard because things went bad for a bad season. That looks bad. But maybe maybe it's a new way of life in the NFL. Because we saw Tampa Bay, they fired nine assistants, you know, and and we look at some of these other places in the league that have just been blowing guys out by bunches. Atlanta on Saturday night fired its entire defensive staff, even though Arthur Smith stays as the head coach. And and Miami, Minnesota, Rams axed six guys. And if they lose another coordinator to a head coaching job, it'll be eight guys off the staff from Sean McVay's team that was in a Super Bowl a year ago this week. Uh, maybe it's a new way of doing business, but I I think it's it's really cheap because these these coaching staffs are family, and you start opening the door and telling family members to leave because we had a bad season. So I totally disagree with what they've done in Dallas. Yeah, it's hard to build continuity in your program where there's constant upheaval and people looking over their shoulder wondering if they're the next guy to be fired. That's got to be tough. But with all these teams blowing out all these coaches, it's got to be this giant game of musical chairs, right? Because they're all going to kind of shuffle the deck and they're going to rearrange. And those Atlanta coaches will probably 
end up with Dallas or the Rams or somewhere else, right? Yeah, but it is odd that guys guys that were finalists for head coaching jobs a year ago and were hot candidates are unemployed. I mean, Byron Leftwich was really regarded in Tampa, and he was one of nine that got taken out by Todd Bowles. So it's, it's just a really ugly story right now in the NFL. I In modern-day NFL, I can't remember a year where we've had so many name assistant coaches lose their jobs on staffs while the head coach is still retained. I, I don't ever remember seeing this mass number of bodies in this this assistant coaching bloodbath. Maybe maybe the way the league is doing business is is going to change. That's it's, a storyline. It's like in, it's upside down, you yeah. know. That's a storyline in Dallas. And uh, last question of the day here on our bonus coverage. Okay, so there's been a lot of interesting criticism coming from Bruce Arians with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Todd Bowles was handpicked by Bruce Arians to become the head coach. Usually, if you're if a coach is leaving, it happens right around the playoffs and right around the Super Bowl. That did not happen. Bruce Arians waited till the offseason, I mean, post-Super Bowl, and then announced he was stepping away. And he went to the Glazer family, the owners, and said, I want Todd Bowles to be the head coach. I think he's ready. He'll be a better coach this time than he was his first time around with the New York Jets. So Todd Bowles got the job, and they had a really substandard season. Yeah, they did okay. They won the division in a lousy division, but they were sub-500. Then they got taken out of the playoffs. Tom Brady couldn't do it by himself because they had no running game. They lost all their offensive linemen, some of them even before the season started. It took them half a season to get their wide receivers finally totally healthy. There was no Rob Gronkowski, and the defense was really spotty. So Todd Bowles, a week ago, fires nine assistants. All of them were Bruce Arians' guys Hmm. that Arians had brought in. When Arians stepped aside, his entire staff stayed with Bowles. And now Bowles hits the eject button on Byron Leftwich and virtually everybody else. So really ugly story there. Bruce Arians is really upset. He said, my job as a head coach was to get these players ready to win games and go to the playoffs and be in a Super Bowl. My job was to take care of my coaching staff, and my coaching staff includes families, husbands, wives, kids, etc. He said, I have a big responsibility. And he was really upset that Bowles hit the eject button on all these coaches, which impacts all their families. Um, he's so upset, he removed all of his belongings from his side office hmm. at Tampa's football facility. I thought at one time, and Bruce has kind of dropped hints, maybe he'd like to come back and coach again, even though he's he's had health issues. I thought maybe he'd come back to Tampa, uh, but that's not going to happen now, not, not with the way he reacted and his anger directed at Todd Bowles. Weird story, but football organizations, it's, it's just a unique concept of how you run your business and everybody pulling the rope in the same way and everybody in the boat rowing the same way. And these coaches are firing all these assistants. Amazing. And Arians stood up and said, this is a terrible way to do business. Well, Byron Leftwich was one of those bright lights, right? I mean, we've been hearing about him because he was a great quarterback in college and he had an okay NFL career, right? Uh, But I, I thought he was doing great as a college coach. But again, it goes back to this notion of how do you 
build a program? How can you be like the Steelers? You know, this had that continuity of coaching for a long period of time. Because when you bring in a new offensive coordinator, I mean, it's a whole new scheme. It's a new playbook. I mean, everything changes. And then you got to get new players to fit that profile. I mean, so you're almost like starting from ground zero every year. That's just not a sustainable model. Well, there's a lot of a lot of name coaches are out on street corners looking for jobs. And they'll probably, as, as you allude to, John, correctly, you know, doesn't work in Tampa doesn't mean it can't work with the LA Rams or it can't work somewhere else that's got coaching openings but it, it boy to me it's a strange strange dimension do you do you think um Brady's coming back to Tampa that's the topic that we're going to talk about in our Thursday podcast because it's by week, so we won't be zeroing in on the Super Bowl immediately. <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about the quarterback carousel, and I'll throw some inf- interesting observations your direction when we do our Thursday get-together. Fans Forum, have we got anybody like to contribute here on this show? Yeah, we do. We've got a number of comments here, and uh, this is from Michael Griffin. He says, McCarthy threw his staff under the bus to save his job. Jones should have na- just named uh, Dan Quinn head coach. That will happen a year from now. Well, I'll tell you the interesting, that's, that's a great point. The interesting observation is, if Jerry is questioning Mike McCarthy's leadership to the point, get rid of all your guys, why didn't he just get rid of McCarthy and go after Sean Payton where there is a relationship? Unless unless Jerry doesn't want to pay the two first-round draft pick compensation mm-hmm. to get Sean Payton's rights from the New Orleans Saints. If I mean, if, if he walked into that meeting, and I'm led to believe he did, he said changes must be made, and they wound up hitting the eject button on now eight assistant coaches. Why don't you just get rid of Mike McCarthy and go a different direction and go get a guy? And I do agree here that with Mike that I— a year from today, we might be talking about that. Yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's it's almost like, yeah, you can bring in Peyton. It's like a turnkey solution, man. You got a front office, coaching staff, the whole thing. Um, but Except it, you got to pay a steep co- price for right, compensation. Right. You got to pay a, a ton and it might set you back. But it's just it's just interesting how, you know, they're so quick to hit the eject button, so quick to find a scapegoat, so quick to just to, just to demonstrate that they're doing something when, in fact, they may be undermining their whole situation. I concur with you wholeheartedly, but one thing we know about the NFL, pressure, and two things we know about the NFL, there will be changes. There will be changes. Yeah, it's a huge pressure to win and a win now. Here's one from Michael Griffin. He says, officiating was indeed suspect, but they're going to protect the star quarterbacks. Got to steer clear of the name QBs. Well, I, uh, most of the officiating, I think, has been rock solid. And, and the league has really taken that step across the line to protect these quarterbacks. Late hits, accidental hits, things of that nature. You know, that they are evaluating rule changes for next season that would include possible use of instant replay, coaches' challenge, on roughing the passer calls. Was it intentional? Was it accidental? Was he pushed into the guy? Did he hit the guy with a blow to the helmet? Or did he get pushed into the guy and there was helmet-to-helmet contact? There's a lot of debate and dialogue in the competition committee in the NFL, Michael. They're going to go ahead. And they may move the replay challenge to also include hits on quarterbacks. Now, I don't don't know if that's going to incorporate open field hits, helmet-to-helmet, safety on running back, you know, wide receivers, et cetera. But they're, they're evaluating what goes on with quarterback hits and might be part of the challenge system. Yeah, well, again, I, I like challenge systems because they can review it and get it right. But so much of this is like, you know, bang, bang kind of play. It's hard to make a truly objective call. So, you know, what is roughing 
the passer, it's hard to define what that really means. Yeah. Next question on the fans forum we go. All right. Here we go. We got uh, one here from, from Manny Fran. He says, the worst thing about the penalty at the end of the game is it robbed us of a potentially great overtime. Well, that is true. I guess we got a viewer in Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> you know, my, my gut feel is it was an accidental hit. And, and Joseph Asai was, was going 100 miles an hour full barrel to try to get to Mahomes to keep him in bounds so they could get to overtime. But he did clobber the guy, and he did clobber the guy. Mahomes was a good two to four feet into the white area, which is out of bounds, and they both went flying into the bench area. It was just a guy going all out to make a football play. Unfortunately, where the football play occurred, was out of bounds. Uh, I agree with you. It would have been an unbelievable overtime. And then today we would have been arguing about who won the coin toss and what the length (laughs) of the field in a five-minute drive and won the game Mm -hmm. without giving the other guy possession of the ball because the clock ran out. Right. Um, But there's no doubt that Mahomes is just bleeping brilliant. And, and, And there's no doubt that Burrow is a spectacular leader and player. But I think at the end of the day, you saw Kansas City do things that really impacted Joe Burrow's ability to stay in the pocket and find the right guy and goes through her progressions because they did what Buffalo did not do the week before. They blitzed. Mm-hmm. Of course, Cincinnati blitzed. Cincinnati came totally out of character with all those blitzes on Patrick Mahomes. The difference was Mahomes sidestepped a bunch of them, moved the pocket through some weird-looking frozen duck passes, <laughs> but got away with it yeah. because Kansas City won. So it's too bad for Osai, but... Time will pass. He'll learn from this. Uh, and tough, tough blow for the Cincinnati Bengals to come home because they're close to being an elite franchise or maybe just because they have an elite quarterback. I tend to think Kansas City is an elite franchise. Yeah. It, it, they're both great teams, both great quarterbacks. I mean, both great head coaches. The, the, the hit at the end of the game, we all know side, that, that was one the refs got right. You know, we could question a lot of the other ones. But it is interesting that, that Manny brings up the topic of it denied us from another overtime because they changed the overtime rules. And I was I couldn't remember exactly how they changed it. And I was just kind of curious to see if it would, would happen. But I guess we didn't get there. Well, we'll see what happens in the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, what a way to cap off what I think has been a spectacular NFL season. I feel bad for San Francisco, Cincinnati fan. You're not feeling as bad as they are in the Bay Area right now. <laughs> this guy's got a frown on his face because he's a closet 49er fan. But uh, I th- we're headed to a great Super Bowl. My goodness. And we've got two weeks day to get these teams healthy and B to talk about it and get amped up about it. And it'll be fun. And I can't wait till we get to midweek and the TV ratings come out because i got to believe the Sunday TV ratings supersede what we saw last weekend when they had 30.8 million uh, for the one playoff game. On Sunday nights, the NFL is just rocking and rolling. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is by far the dominant sport in America. The TV ratings back it up. And, I mean, you just hear... It's not just sports fans talking about these games. It's been on all of the, you know, the, the traditional news anchors have been all been talking about it. So, um, yeah, and we're going to have to go through two weeks of hype. I liked it when it was only a one-week break after the championship games, but... 
we'll see how it goes. And they're going to do the Pro Bowl, right, with the, with the flag football and all the other kind of skills competitions. I guess that'll be in the tweener weekend, so we'll now, see. Do, what. do we need that? Do we really need that? No, Pro we Bowl? don't no, really no, no. need unless that. A trip, unless I meant a trip to Hawaii in Aloha <laughs> Stadium, then I'd say, yeah, Pro Bowl was great <laughs> for those of us in working media. You got a couple more fans forum items you want to post there? Yeah, we got one here. This is, uh, this is from Michael Griffin. He says, Bowles has one year left. Going to trust Trask? Not likely. Probably go get Derek Carr, who I think could really be good with Evans, Godwin, and R. White. We will talk quarterbacks on Thursday. Do not miss our weekly Thursday podcast. But uh, there's going to be a lot of activity as it relates to veteran quarterbacks, absolutely for sure. And I do agree with you. Bulls is on the hot seat now because of not, not what happened in the injury-ravaged season, but how he's handled this. But this falls at the front front door of the ownership. The ownership is letting him purge his staff, and the ownership believes in that coach. We'll see if the ownership is right or not. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tampa is such an interesting franchise. I mean, they, they were an expansion team in, what, in the 70s, I think, right? John McKay, first coach. Yeah, there we go. And uh, All-time losing streak. Yeah, they were awful for so long. And then remember they took the Rams to the NFC Championship game? And what was it, like a 9 nothing game or something like that? Um, and then they just had kind of their ups and downs. I remember Steve Young played for them for a little while. And uh, so it's been interesting to see them rise up and become one of the better franchises in the NFL. So hopefully Arians will help them get their house in order and bring them back to you know the forefront. If Arians still has his office next Monday, if he wants to come back and work, and I tend to think that's rather doubtful. Hey, listen, we hope you've enjoyed our bonus coverage Monday NFL podcast. A reminder, we are here every Thursday. Hope you'll join us there. Take part in Fans Forum. We ask you also to subscribe so you'll get the alerts. You can subscribe on my YouTube channel Lee Hacksaw Hamilton or read my website. I think you really like it. LeeHacksawHamilton.com. It's all written. And as long as you're with us, why don't you text? Why don't you email? Or why don't you tweet your fans, your friends, your followers and tell them about our podcast and about our website. John, have yourself a great couple of days. We'll catch up to you come the end of the week, our regular Thursday podcast. Right on. Looking forward to it. And thanks for being with us up and down the West Coast. Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.